Good morning, Impact Church family. You know, one of my grandsons recently asked as we were eating supper, Papa, are bugs good to eat? I said, boy, we are eating supper. Don't bring that up right now. After supper, I said, now what was it you was wanting to ask me? He said, oh, nothing now. There was a bug in your chili, but it's gone now. <laughs> For those of you that have been following along in the book of First Peter, and if you looked in your bulletin this morning, you might see that we're going a little bit out of sequence this morning. We're going to be looking at the last half of the chapter 4. Next week, we'll do the first part of chapter 4 in First Peter. But I really think that it goes very well with what Scott, share, Scott shared last week, a reason to witness. So, today we're going to be looking at a reason to suffer. What you going to do? You know, Peter is one of my favorite, he is my favorite apostle. Paul would be my favorite writer in the Bible, but Peter is my favorite apostle. I'll tell you a little bit about why I like Peter. He's the kind of guy that would say whatever he was thinking. And we all have friends like that, the no-filter friends, right? That was Peter. He had no filter. When he was right, he was really right. But when he was wrong, he was really wrong. For example, when Jesus asked in Matthew 16, who do people say that I am? Peter was the first one to respond, even though all the other apostles that were there too. Peter said, oh, I'll tell you. Some say you're John the Baptist. Some say you're Elijah or one of the prophets, but they really don't know. And Jesus said, hmm, what about you? Again, addressing the apostles. And Peter again, oh, I'll tell you, I'll tell you. You're the Christ, the son of the living God. To which Jesus responded, Peter, that was given to you by my father. You are blessed. And then just a few verses after that, he would say, get behind me, Satan, as he was pointing directly at Peter, because Peter said, oh, you'll never go to the cross. We won't let that happen to you. So he was taking away the very message Jesus had just given them about why he was even there. All that's in chapter 16, the same chapter in Matthew. Peter goes from blessed to being rebuked in just a couple verses. And we know that Peter would go on to deny Jesus. And Jesus, when the third time Peter denied him in Luke twenty two sixty one, if you've never seen this, I challenge you to go look that up this afternoon, Luke twenty two sixty one, When Peter said for the third time as he was calling down curses from heaven, I do not know this Jesus. He was close enough to Jesus where Jesus heard that and he turned and looked and their eyes met. And it was in that moment that something very dramatic shifted within Peter. And the Bible says that he went out and wept bitterly because of what he'd just done. For saying that he didn't know Jesus after all they'd been through together. When he was put to the test, Peter failed. Peter then do everything he could within his power to get back right with Jesus. You know, when he hears Jesus is not in the tomb from Mary Magdalene, because uh, Jesus gave Mary a message, go to the apostles and Peter that I'm back. When he heard that, him and John both took off running. They didn't stop, they just took off running 
because they were going to the tomb. And we know John was the more athletic one because he beat Peter to the tomb, but he just stood at the door and peeked in. When, Jesus saw, when Peter saw that, he just ran right past him into the tomb because he needed to find the Savior. That's in John chapter 20. Then in 21, we see that Jesus actually seeks Peter out. Jesus goes and finds Peter and gives a pretty lengthy discussion with Peter on what's he going to do. Are you going to deny me again or are you all in? To which Peter responds, I'm all in. Please, I'm all in. Trust me. And boy, did Jesus trust him. He gave him an assignment. You're going to preach the first gospel sermon ever. And we see that in Acts chapter 2. When Jesus had gone back to heaven, Peter gets the assignment, you're going to preach and you're going to stand up and you're going to lay one down, boy. And boy, did he. Because when he started talking about the death, the burial, and resurrection of Jesus, the people that were there, were it says they were cut to the heart because they just realized that the Savior that came for them was the one they just put to death. And the question they asked Peter was this, what shall we do? <laughs> well, Peter was just ADD enough to tell you, I'll tell you what you do. You repent and be baptized, and there's 3,000 of you. We're not going to wait till a baptismal service. We're going to baptize you all right now. And that's exactly what they did. Like I said, Paul would be my favorite writer, but Peter is definitely my favorite apostle because he was that one that went out, and he was, from this moment on, I don't know if there was any fear. That no fear deal, that was Peter. Because he would go on to boldly proclaim Jesus for the rest of his life. Peter. A man who when Jesus said he was going to the cross said, no you won't. Then when Jesus went to the cross, he denied he knew him. And then after Jesus was raised from the dead... He couldn't find him quick enough to say, I will lay down my life for you. And those of you that know the story of history, history tells us that when Peter was confronted with death, they said, we are going to crucify you. He said, do not crucify me like you did Jesus. Crucify me upside down. If that wasn't enough of a horrific death, he said, do it to me upside down. Peter, a man after God's own heart. So let's get started this morning. We're going to be in chapter 4. We're going to start in verse 12. And I'll just go ahead and read the text this morning as we get started. Dear friends, do not be surprised at the painful trial you are suffering as though something strange were happening to you. But rejoice that you participate in the sufferings of Christ so that you may be overjoyed when His glory is revealed. If you're insulted because of the name of Christ, you are blessed. For the spirit of glory in God rests on you. If you suffer, it should not be as a murderer or a thief or any other kind of criminal or even as a meddler. However, if you suffer as a Christian, don't be ashamed, but praise God that you bear that name. For it is time for the judgment to begin with the family of God. And if it begins with us, what will the outcome be for those who do not obey the gospel of God? It is hard for a righteous the righteous to be saved, what will become of the ungodly and the sinner? So then, those who suffer according to God's will should commit themselves to their faithful creator 
and continue to do good. All right, let's start breaking some of this down. You know, we could really, this verse 12, we could spend the rest of the time we have in that one verse because there's a lot there. But we've got seven verses after that, so we're going to have to move along pretty quickly this morning. So, verse 12 starts out like this. Dear friends, don't be surprised. Boom! I got some of you, see? Peter says, don't be surprised. Like something strange is happening to you because you're doing what's right. Dear, dear friends, don't be surprised at the painful trial you're suffering as though something strange was happening. Now, we know from reading the rest of the text that suffering he's talking about here is suffering from persecution, from doing what's right, from saying and letting people know that you know Jesus. That's the suffering we're talking about. So don't be surprised because this has been happening to good godly men and women since the beginning of time. When they stood up for what God said, the world did things to them that they didn't expect. You know, they've been taken to task because of our society and the tolerance that our society wants us to give them because they are doing things evil that God says is evil. For example, when you leave here today and in your daily conversations, you start letting people know what you believe. And what you believe is what's in the Bible. You start telling people what you believe in the Bible. Do you believe that there could be some painful situations that would arise if you do that? Oh yeah, I guarantee you. Now remember 1 Peter 3.15 that Scott shared last week. We're going to share with people what we believe, but we're going to do this with gentleness and respect. We're going to share the truth, but we're not going to beat people up with the truth. So here's some things I believe. I believe the shedding of innocent blood, abortion, is wrong. I believe homosexuality is wrong. I believe getting drunk on marijuana or alcohol is not God's plan. I believe that's wrong. I believe living together with someone you're not married to and having sex before marriage is wrong. And you might be thinking... Wow, Mac, you're, you're just judging a lot of people here right now. Nope, not at all. If you don't hear anything else today, hear this. It is not judging to recognize what God has already judged as wrong. You see, all those things I just listed, God already listed those as sinful behavior. They're wrong. We shouldn't do those things. All throughout the Bible, God has judged these things, and he says this. If you practice those things, lifestyle, if that's your lifestyle, you will not, and this is definite, and it's not my words, it came right out of Galatians 5.21, if you practice these things, if this is your lifestyle, you will not inherit the kingdom of God. But I also believe that lying and stealing and murder and gossip and being a meddler or a busybody are also wrong. And you might be thinking again, I guess Mac just doesn't love those people that struggle with those things. Like I don't struggle with anything. Because I do. Ask Mary. After this is over, she'll tell you. 
That couldn't be further from the truth, though, that I don't love these people. We were sent here to love all sinners. If we don't share the message with them, who's going to? Three weeks ago, an extended family member who I love and who lives on the East Coast decided to end his life. Because of a series of events in his life, he decided to live a homosexual lifestyle, 22 years old. He moved away from home to live in that community because those were the people that really loved him, not his family. But now for the last few years, he hadn't been able to reconcile that life by the way he was raised or by what he believes. Nobody in the family has turned their back on him, but this was a battle that was going on in his mind. Did my family even love me anymore? Nobody in the family either condoned his behavior, though. So as the pills were taking effect, uh, and he felt his life easing away, he decided to call the one person he knew really loved him. That was his mom. I found it interesting that he didn't call the people in the community that he was living in. Well, my family called me from the hospital, and they were obviously crushed, and for the next 45 minutes, I sat on the phone and just listened to what they had to say. He didn't die. They were able to get enough charcoal in him, whatever they do, to counteract the effects of all the pills that he took. But they told me all that he'd been doing, and that uh, after they finished, I said, because of his erratic behavior and what they're telling me, I said, is he alcoholic or is he doing drugs? They said, oh, no, no, just this one problem. That's the only problem he's got. I said, okay. They said, would you be willing to talk to him? I said, of course I'll talk to him. They said, well, he's going to be uh, going to the psych ward in two days from now. I'll give you a call when you can call him. So when he got out of the psych ward, they met with the doctor, and he had been self-medicating, and the family didn't know it. And the doctor, first thing the doctor said was, you do know he's alcoholic. And they said, no, we didn't know. And the doctor shared with him that he needed to start going to some meetings during the week. She said, Alcoholics Anonymous is a good place to go. But if you have faith, there's even another one I like better called Celebrate Recovery. (laughs) That's exactly what my nephew started doing, chuckling. And the doctor said, is there something funny about that? He said, oh, no, just my uh, uncle and aunt are like national directors for Celebrate Recovery. (laughs) And the doctor said, oh, Mac and Mary Owen, I follow them on Instagram. (laughs) I don't know this, doctor. But it is amazing, you know, when we start following Jesus and that becomes a part of who we are and people know that, what they'll do when someone they know is suffering, they'll share with them. See, this doctor wasn't afraid to share about Jesus. And I'm so thankful for her today. You know, we're working hard now to give this man the love and support he needs so he can make good, godly choices in his life. I talked to him just last night. It was a good conversation. So the question then in our daily lives is what you're going to do. What are you going to do? 
Are you going to try to escape the pain of suffering that comes with acknowledging Jesus is Lord? Because you can do that. You can escape the pain that comes from that. All you got to do is be nothing, say nothing, do nothing. Just blend in. Blend in. I was a master of that in my former life. But God has called us to do something different. See, you can't go undercover. You can't be an undercover Christian. Oh, you can if you want to try to escape the pain that comes from acknowledging him. But unfortunately, on the day we meet Jesus, then he will deny knowing us. When you are summoned before the judgment seat, he'll say something like, and you are who? That's not what we want to hear. But Mac, I never publicly said I don't know Jesus. Have you ever publicly said you did? That's what this text is talking about. So going undercover, you might not have as much pain on this earth, but it won't go well for any of us in the future if we're undercover Christians. The bottom line is this. We will suffer on this earth, is what Peter's saying, if we follow Jesus and let others know that we do. So the next question then is, all right, what do we do then when we suffer? And Peter very plainly says it in verse 13. But rejoice that you participate in the sufferings of Christ so that you may be overjoyed when his glory is revealed. If you are insulted because of the name of Christ, you are blessed for the spirit of glory and of God rest on you. Now, I find it interesting that both in the Greek and in the Hebrew, this word rejoice quite literally means jump for joy or dance. So this word means when we see the word rejoice anywhere in the Bible, that means to show signs of joy. You can't do it by saying, yeah, I follow Jesus. Yeah, Jesus, that's one of all. You can't do that. It says to jump for joy, to dance. Rejoice in the fact that people are making you suffer because you know Jesus. You know, on the back of my truck, I had these symbols. I think I got a slide of them. I had these symbols on the back of my truck that simply mean Jesus came down, he died on the cross, he went to a tomb, he was raised, and he's coming back to get us. And I was at a gas station not long ago, and a guy pulled up behind me, and he saw those symbols, and he asked me as he just stepped out of the car, he said, hey, you a follower of Jesus? I said, I sure am, and I expected him to respond, me too. But that's not what happened. He proceeded to tell me how sick he was of Christians and what right do you have to push your beliefs on any of us? And I, I was shocked, quite literally, because then he loudly started cursing me for my beliefs right there as I was pumping gas. Now, my first thoughts was not rejoicing. It was not even Christian, I don't think. <laughs> My third, first thoughts were to react and get right back in his face as loudly as he was getting in my face. But thank God I stopped right here in my mind. I stopped and thought. And I said, in my mind, I didn't say this to him, but I said, I wonder what pain he has in his life. Then I just smiled and kept pumping my gas. Then I left the parking lot as he was getting louder and louder. 
I wasn't jumping for joy or dancing when he was calling those curses down on me, but I should have been. You know why? Because I didn't react. To me, that's a big deal, that I stopped and thought and acted instead of reacting. So sometimes the joy I have in suffering is just that I acted the right way. But then I did pull a Matthew 10, 14 on him. I shook the dust off my feet and I left as I smiled. So I counted it a blessing that day that someone would insult me for knowing Jesus Christ. Continuing on in the text, Peter is going to now state what should be obvious. If you suffer, it should not be as a murderer or a thief or any kind of criminal or even a meddler. However, if you suffer as a Christian, do not be ashamed, but praise God that you bear that name. You know, I'm looking at this thing, and Peter, do you really need to say this? I mean, if you suffer, implying, look back to verses 12 and 13, if you suffer for the name of Jesus, but he says here, don't be surprised when you do that, but don't suffer as a murderer i mean peter i think we got that or not as a criminal of any kind peter i know we got that we that's the big stuff we know we're not going to do that okay mr know-it-all how about this how about a meddler don't even be a meddler what did he just say meddler a gossip a busybody he put those in the same group as Criminals and murderers? Yep, that's exactly what he did. You know, if you live your life as a gossip or a meddler or a busybody, you fall in that Galatians 5 text too about the acts of the sinful nature, which it said should be obvious because gossip and meddling and being a busybody stirs up dissension in the body. And Paul would say, let me tell you again, those who stir up dissension will not, he said, as I said before, will not inherit the kingdom of God. Proverbs twenty nineteen says, a gossip betrays confidence, so avoid a man or a woman who talks too much. You know someone that talks too much? Yanking a dog's ears is foolish, as is interfering in someone else's argument. Proverbs twenty six seventeen. You know, it's not for us to assign motives. That's where I hear a lot of gossip, I think, or a lot of gossip starts, is when we start assigning motives to what people do, even when they do good things. Hey, did you hear? You know, anytime I hear that, I'm leery. Hey, did you hear? Hey, did you hear? Brother Joe gave a big check at church last Sunday. Why did he do that? Is he trying to get on the good side of the pastor? He wants a good parking place, don't he? You know, his family is a mess. That daughter of his, I could tell you some things about her. When I hear someone say, hey, did you hear? My first response should be, I don't think I need to hear. Maybe I'll just find out for myself. Or like Paul in one of my favorite Bible verses would say, 1 Thessalonians 4, 11 through 12, make it your ambition. Now, that sounds pretty important right off the bat, doesn't it? If we should make something in our life, the ambition of our life, listen to what he said. Lead a quiet life. Mind your own business. Work with your hands 
just as we told you, so that, I love it when he says so that, because that, what we just said, has a purpose, so that you might, your daily life may win the respect of outsiders and that you will not be dependent on anybody. You know, even outsiders that don't follow Jesus, they don't respect gossips and meddlers. Paul says, if you want to win them over, their respect, mind your own business. Don't be like the people he wrote about in 1 Timothy 5.13 where he said this. They've gotten into the habit of being idle, going from house to house. And not only do they become idlers, but they are also gossips and busybodies saying things they ought not say. You know, the, I tell people all the time, the two most important words I've ever told myself in my life that I've learned are shut up. And that's not to tell anybody else. It's for me. Because sometimes if I just zip it, somebody told me a long time ago, Mac, just because it's up here doesn't mean it has to come out down here. <laughs> Those were wise, wise words. Make it your ambition, lead a quiet life, and with gentleness and respect, let others know who you follow. Finally, verses 17 and 18, which I think could be the hardest to understand in this whole text, where it says this, for it is time for judgment to begin with the family of God. And if it begins with us, what will be the outcome for those who do not obey the gospel of our God? And if it's hard for the righteous to be saved, what will become of the ungodly sinners? Now, you don't have to raise your hand on this, but how many of you ever thought that once we become Christians, we would like just skip judgment and go right on in? I did. I figured, you know, since he already views me as perfect now, as his son, Jesus paid the price, why do I have to stand in front of judgment? He's not going to have anything to say. He's going to say, Matt, come on in. Then I read 2 Corinthians 5.10, where it says, For we must all, uh-oh, that leaves out nobody. For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, that each one of us may receive what is due him or her, for the things done while in the body, whether good or bad. So now together with this verse in 1 Peter and Paul in 1 Corinthians, we see that we are definitely going to stand before the Creator at the end of time so that the good and bad things can be discussed about our lives. <laughs> Yikes! Does that freak anybody else out? I thought I left that stuff behind. Well, it would seem upon first examination here, this verse, that we as Christians will do the best we can, and if we're lucky, we'll just get in by the skin of our teeth. If you just look at that verse in the first glance. That narrow gate, it just got a lot narrower. Not many people are going to make it if I look at that without really seeing what he's saying. You know, those that don't acknowledge Jesus, they have no chance at all. But if you take that verse to mean that we're barely going to get in as Christians, oh, I hope I do, I hope I do, well, then we miss the message, the main theme of the Bible, which is salvation for all who accept Jesus Christ. I mean, Colossians, I, I love Colossians. That's one of my, I think it is my favorite book in the Bible. It says we've been rescued from the dominion of darkness and brought into the kingdom of the Son He loves. Do you know where it says right there, we've been rescued and brought into? When was that rescue? As soon as we gave our life to Jesus Christ, forgiveness was total and instant. 
And then he said, at that point, you were brought into the kingdom of Jesus. So if you're waiting on the kingdom, I got news for you. If you're in him, you're in it. The kingdom's here now. Still thinking you're going to have a hard time with judgment now that you're in the kingdom? Well, let's see. In that same first chapter of Colossians, it says you're holy in God's sight. You're without blemish. You're free from accusation. And everyone who is in Jesus is now presented perfect to the Father. Perfect. Because you did something great? No. All you did was say, I give up. It's because Jesus did something amazing. Romans 6, 7 says, those of us who are in Jesus have been freed from sin. You messed up this week? Me too. (laughs) What does that mean then? It says we're freed from sin. The only way for that to be true is that God now views us as sinless. That's pretty cool. Romans 6.23 says we get a free gift. It's eternal life. It costs him everything. He says, I'll give it to you free. All you got to do is surrender. 2 Corinthians 5.17 says we're a new creation. All the old is gone. You're brand new. One of my favorite verses, Hebrews 8.12, for I will forgive your wickedness and remember your sins no more. Do you think he can't remember them? No, he can. He just chooses not to because of what Jesus has done for us. And then I'll go Old Testament on you too. Micah 7.19 says, God again will have compassion on us. You, will, you, O God, will tread our sins underfoot and hurl all our iniquities in the depths of the sea. And when he does that, then he puts up a no fishing sign. No fishing. You can't go back and look at that stuff because it's gone. Romans 8, 17 says we're co-heirs with Christ. Now, I'm not an inheritance attorney, but it looks like to me whatever he gets, we get. Co-heirs with Christ. Romans 8, 37, we're more than conquerors. I don't know what that means except we win big. 2 Corinthians 5, 20, we're God's ambassadors. What a chance he's taken. Bunch of misfits like us, and he says, you're going to be my mouthpiece. Matthew 5, 14 says, we are the light in a very dark world. And then Peter himself would say in 1 Peter 1, we're born again, spiritually transformed, renewed, and set apart for God's purpose. And then in chapter 2 he says, we're a chosen people. We were bought with a price. We are of great value. And because of that, we're now priests. Every one of you in here that is in Jesus Christ is a priest. He says we're part of a royal priesthood. And because of that, we're part of a holy nation. And you know, that's a very short list of who we are. One of the challenges I give you for this week is to go in the Bible and look up who God says you are now. It's amazing. So Peter is not saying that even those who follow Jesus will barely make it. He's not saying that at all. What he is saying is because of the hardships that you'll face from acknowledging Jesus, it's going to be tough. This life is going to be tough, so get ready. Don't be surprised. It's not going to be a walk in the park. When you tell people you believe in Jesus, they are going to want to make it tough on you. But take heart, because God will use these difficult times to increase our trust in Him, knowing 
that the best is yet to come. You know, one of the coolest things I ever heard, and you guys have all heard this, I most of you might have heard this already, uh, when I was a brand new Christian, an older Christian came up to me and said, Mac, why are you so gloomy? I read the end of the book, We Win. That was great news to me because I left him immediately there and went home and read the end of the book. And he was right. We win as Christians, as followers of Jesus. We make it to heaven because there was a perfect payment made by Jesus at the cross specifically for each one of us. So we will face judgment. We will go before the Creator first. While all those who haven't accepted Jesus watch on. And I think it'll go something like this. Mac? Mac Owen. Yep, come on up. Approach the bench. I will approach the bench and he'll say something like, let's see here, let's get out the book of life. It won't be an iPad, I don't think. I think it really will a book. And he'll say, let's see here, Mac Owen, oh my. You were a rascal. <laughs> let's look at some of the things you did that were contrary to my will. And I'm thinking... Do we have to? And then he responds because he can read my thoughts. I forgot that. Mm. Yes, I'm afraid we do have to. Let's see, you started with years ago disobeying your parents. <laughs> well, that got you in a lot of trouble, didn't it? Lying. You know, Mac, the truth would have been a lot easier. Huh. Sex before marriage. I tried to tell you it would have been a whole lot better if you would have waited. Stealing. You really didn't even need those things. Drunkenness. Mm. Commode hugging drunkenness. Boy, that was fun, wasn't it, Mac? <laughs> and Mac, you know, the list goes on. I, I'm looking at it. It goes way on. But I'm reading ahead. That's something I do. And I see something here that trumps all those bad things. You turned your life over to my son Jesus. You turned yourself in and turned your life over to him. And when you did that, some amazing things happened. Oh, boy, I get excited talking about this part, Mac. You became a good husband after that and a good father. You treated people that worked for you fairly. I really liked that. I wrote a whole story about it one time. You told me about others. You told others about me, how they could find hope. Many of them rejected it, but you know what? There's a lot of them that are here today because you told them about me. Don't get me wrong, I still see some moments where you were rebellious, but you came home quickly and repented. So because of that, I don't even look at those things. I just see what my son did for you. You see, he saw something valuable in you, and I do too. You see, your family, Mac, come on in. Welcome home. Now what it says in the rest of that verse is for all those who have accepted, who have not accepted his son Jesus, who are watching, it's not going to go so well for them. So we have a mission. It's to leave here and let people know who we follow. Oh, it's great to talk among ourselves about Jesus, but you know what? If you're here, I figure you already know Jesus. It's the ones out there in the coffee shop. And the restaurants 
that don't know Jesus. Those are the ones we need to be talking to. And it says in verse 18, wrapping this up, if it's hard, I mean, sorry, verse 19, so then, those who suffer according to God's will should commit themselves to their faithful creator and continue to do good. So if you're suffering for the name of Jesus, he says, good work. Keep on doing it. Keep up the good work. So the question is, what are you going to do today? Have you been an undercover Christian? If that's what you've been doing, you need to repent and start talking about him in your everyday life. Have you been a meddler, a gossip, or a busybody? Stop it. You need to tell someone you trust here today and God that that stops today. Maybe you've never given your life to Jesus. Well, there, there's good news in that too because you can do that right now today. And after you make that confession that Jesus is going to be the Lord of your life, we have the water ready. And if you're ready, we can baptize you this morning, just like Peter did. He said, we ain't waiting, we're going to do it right now. The water's ready if that's what you want to do. If you want to pray with somebody, there's going to be plenty of room down here. Or pray, Just pray with somebody. There'll be people on both sides you can come pray with. Or if you just want to pray by yourself, there's going to be plenty of room down here on the front. Don't leave here this morning with unanswered questions or needing something. Whatever you need, please come while we stand and sing together. Here I am down on my knees.